Hey guys, this is Kevin Can with Boston Strongcast. I'm joined by the one and only Alyssa Orlando. Hi everyone. Uh, today we're going to talk about social media. Oh. Uh, kind of gets a bad rap with the whole strength training community uh, for a lot of reasons, but we're going to try to have a little bit more of a positive spin on things and kind of help guide you on a good path of utilizing it for your benefits. I agree, Kevin. I love social media. Yeah, me too. I don't know yeah. why it gets such a bad rap. Maybe, that, <laughs> maybe that's just because we're junkies, but I, right. I do think that there are definitely, there's obviously disadvantages to social media as there are disadvantages to almost every good thing in life. But I also think there are many more advantages to social media than there are disadvantages. So, And I think no matter what, it comes down to how the user is actually utilizing it uh, for their benefit. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the good thing about the strength training community is people post a lot of good information on social media and you can be a pretty well-informed consumer just by, uh, scrolling through your Instagram newsfeed. Yeah, definitely. So uh, how did you get into social media specifically, I guess, within strength training, but then just in general, maybe like kind of lead your pathway into it? Oh man, I, I literally, I was late coming on to the whole, uh, even like Facebook thing. So I got Facebook. I mean, now it's probably been like eight or nine years ago, but I didn't get Instagram until three years ago. Okay. Um, it was right around the time I'd already started, um, working at my previous place of employment. Um, so yeah, about three years ago and I kind of got convinced to do it by a couple of the students that I was, I was teaching at this school for uh, a bunch of adults who want to be personal trainers, basically. Okay. And a couple of them were like, Oh, you know, you should look into using social media as marketing. Like it's kind of the, the big thing going on right now. They sent me some PDFs and stuff. And I was like, fuck, all right, I'll, I'll get, I'll get Instagram. And when I did, I accidentally followed every one of my Facebook friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that classic like, you, like here are all your Facebook friends, and then it tells all your Facebook friends that you have on Instagram. Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck? So I had like, I was following like two thousand people, most of which I didn't want to see what they were posting on Instagram, and I had like three followers. So, um, and over time, I guess I just kind of, you know, followed the stuff I wanted to follow and started to mimic them a little bit, and now I have two. Instagram accounts because one is never enough. Oh shit! <laughs> I, How about you, Alyssa? I have like forty-five Instagram. Accounts. Yeah, exactly. You run like. Um. So I mean, I've been an an active user of social media as the token millennial on this podcast since probably like two thousand six. No, earlier than that. I started before I was even into fitness with like MySpace and then Facebook, and then I actually dove into fitness Twitter was my first kind of foray into fitness social media. There was like, it was like a really big group of people. And the interesting thing about fitness Twitter was that it wasn't like bodybuilding Twitter or it wasn't powerlifting Twitter or it wasn't weightlifting Twitter. It was everybody who was interested in anything that had anything to do with fitness was kind of like in fitness Twitter. If you had a fitness anonymous account. So back in like four or five years ago, the big thing was that your name was not a part of your account at all. And I think this had a lot to do with the fact that fitness was kind of like on the uprise in terms of trends. 
So it wasn't really cool yet to be into fitness. It's actually more, it was less cool than it was more cool. So everyone who had a fitness Twitter account was anonymous. So people had like screen names basically. So mine was fit for me with five T's because all the other versions of fit for me were taken. Was it a number four or did you spell out four? It was spelled out four. (laughs) Um, So I was, I had that Instagram or I keep saying Instagram because I'm now so much more into Instagram. Um, But I was in, I was on that Twitter account for probably a year and a half. And then right as I started to get into powerlifting, the trends in social media started to change. So first of all, it started being a lot more geared towards Instagram, obviously, and it still is. And everybody kind of started coming out from behind the closed doors. So everybody started changing their handles. People started attaching their names to things. People started this whole personal brand thing before that was really trendy. Um, And so I kind of hopped on that trend as well. So I turned into Alyssa Fry Fit. Um, and that was for about, I want to say like a year, maybe a year and a half. And over that time, I also began my, um, fitness Instagram solely because I remember it was, it was the, like the month in which I signed up for my first powerlifting programming. So that was just like late 2014. And I was doing this challenge that a girl who I actually went to school with, was running, but we had met through fitness Twitter and like this strange turn of events. We realized we ended up going to school together. Um, and she was running this challenge where literally the prize was, I kid you not like a 12 pack of juice. I don't even know. It was the stupidest prize that I've ever tried to what win. What kind of juice? Was it like Capri Sun? No, it was like that, you know, buy, have you ever heard of that? Like buy? Yeah, like yeah. That. I remember. So, um, so the, the prize was a 12 pack of buy, but I was a college senior and I was broke. So I posted every day. It was like a 30 day like posting challenge where you had to like tag her and tag by whatever. And my friends, my real friends were getting so agitated that I kept posting fitness shit on my personal Instagram because of course, Instagram rules still applied back then to personal Instagram. Don't post every day. Don't post more than four times a week. All that silly nonsense. Um, that applies to personal Instagram and not business or really even fitness Instagram. Uh, And they were like, please stop posting on your Instagram account. I'm going to unfollow you if you keep posting pictures and videos of your shitty deadlifts. I was like, but I like posting this kind of content. That's what I like to post on Instagram. That's really the only thing I'm interested in. They're like, we don't care. So then I was like, fine, I'm going to make my own Instagram account. So I made Alyssa Fry Fit, the Instagram version. And so for maybe a year, a year and a half, I was kind of straddling between the two platforms. Um, And if you've ever, you might understand this from managing both the team Instagram and your personal Instagram, even that is like a lot to manage personally. Um, So I had like my real life Twitter account for work and, you know, other silly nonsense. Then I had my fitness Twitter, which was strong. I probably had maybe six or 7,000 followers on that account. Um, And then my fitness Instagram, which I was just starting and my personal Instagram, which had like one follower, Ross. And so I, I did that for about a year. And then I realized that 
the fitness industry as a whole had changed and I associated much more with the powerlifting sub niche than I did with the fitness niche as a whole. So I made the decision to deactivate and actually delete my fitness Instagram or my fitness Twitter rather. Um, just because I didn't feel like that was who I was anymore. Um, I had established that account to pretty much solely to document my weight loss progress without anyone else knowing that I was interested in fitness um, back in 2013. So actually I consider St. Patrick's Day to be like my fitness anniversary, which is like super cheesy, but that's the day that I started my fitness Twitter account. So uh, five years ago, like this week, I would have started that account, which is kind of interesting to think about um, the progression of how social media has even changed in the last five years. But yeah, so now I just, I do the Instagram and I try to post things on it that I like, but we can get more into that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and social media has changed quite a bit, even from, I mean, not that I've, you know, you've probably actually been on it longer than I have, but like from Facebook to Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, and even when I first started using it, like I wasn't really sure what I was using it for. And like, (laughs) I just kind of started posting, kind of figured it out along the way, but now it's actually a pretty helpful tool, both business wise and even, uh, coaching wise. Like for example, earlier today, uh, Nick pulled 90% on deadlifts and he's like, this looks so much better than the last time I did it. He had it on his Instagram page. So we scrolled oh. through, we looked at it and, and compared the two. So, you know, it's unlimited storage. It's free. It's mm-hmm. archived by date. So there's a lot of positives even from that perspective. Yep. So I know like a lot of people will be like, oh, I'm sick of looking at your shitty lifting videos. But however, it's kind of like an online journal of your lifting videos. Instead of words, it's actual videos of your lifts and to see progression and stuff. Um, I think it's extremely helpful for that. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. And it's a very interesting argument because the Instagram timeline has changed so much. Um, And I think for listeners, this will be helpful to understand. We probably are going to, for the most the rest of this podcast, we're mostly going to be talking about Instagram just because right now that's the most prevalent in the fitness community because it allows people to upload text and video or photo at the same time without having to navigate a bunch of different platforms. So, um, but the way the Instagram timeline has progressed in the last two to three years has been from strictly a chronological feed to Instagram getting a little bit smarter and understanding that you're only going to want to see certain content that you interact with most often to Instagram really becoming big brother like and curating your feed. So it's not showing you anything that you've already liked or commented on. And it's not showing you anything that's older than a certain timeline, but it is going to show you at the top of your feed, all of the people that you interact with on a regular basis. And it's going to show you all the content that you haven't liked yet. So if Kevin has posted six posts from the team account in the last three days, and I haven't been on Instagram in three days, when I refresh my feed, those six posts are probably going to be at the top of my feed all at the same time, because that's the content that I interact with the most often. But I find it interesting that people are frustrated with the, Instagram timeline and most often I'm interested that people are really focused on the timeline as like 
the biggest aspect of Instagram. I don't know. I never really find myself scrolling and actually paying attention. I, I mostly go to other people's profiles that I always go to. And I don't know, maybe you can, maybe you scroll through Instagram more often or something. I use it a little bit differently because there's like different stuff I want to see. So of course I want to see if you guys post videos and stuff. Um, but on top of that, like it gives me access because everybody posts everything on Instagram now. So like I follow hashtags that are important to me. So like mm-hmm. USAPL, USA powerlifting. Um, so I can see the other people in the community and stuff. Cause it can link you with people who are close to you. Um, on top of that, it gives you access to some of the best lifters in the world. Yep. So I follow a bunch of IPF world champion lifters and I get to see them train on a continual basis. So there's been times where I've seen them, they might utilize variation a little bit differently. I get to see what they're doing day in and day out in in their training you get to watch their technique you you know so you get access to all of this information that becomes extremely important that was probably very difficult to do unless you were just bouncing around from meet to meet and taking notes so you can almost like scout everybody else out in the sport of powerlifting and coaches too of course and uh gather quite a bit of information that can be extremely helpful to you as an athlete and and you know if you're writing programs for people and coaching and all of that stuff yeah i think that's like a big tip would be to actually seek out those users and those posts on the platform rather than hoping that they will appear in your timeline or on your explore page because while those are really useful areas of the platform, especially since, since Facebook has bought Instagram and has integrated a lot more of the Facebook aspects into what Instagram does. It's obviously not going to change the baseline value of Instagram over Facebook, but thinking about like, you know, when you go to the people tab in the search, it shows you all of those people that you recently have gone to their profiles or viewed their content. And for me, I constantly go back to those people because that's the content that I want to see rather than like the random, maybe I followed people because we had a meet together or because we met at some other function, but those aren't the people that I'm trying to seek out their content on a regular basis. I'd rather, you know, keep up with, I'm literally scrolling through my explore or my recently searched like fail. Like I'm going to go to Vale's profile and look at her recent posts and her recent stories, which if you're not following Val the Happy and you're not watching her Instagram stories, I don't know what you're doing with your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of times, like, for me, I'll scroll through and just see what's on my feed. And then sometimes I get stuck in a rabbit hole where it might be, you know, they give you a little teaser. It might be an article or an exercise that you have to click on their, on their bio. And then like, you know, three hours later, I've been reading, you know, a bunch of stuff. I probably had no <laughs> reading in the first place, but, um, you know, for just from a coaching perspective, it does make it easy to kind of see what everybody else is doing out there. Um, and if you are coaching people in the sport, like it has never been so easy to gather information. And if you have even an ounce of a fucking clue on what, like how to navigate through life in general, like you can learn quite a bit from just utilizing something as simple as Instagram. Um, 
you know, and manipulating it in a way that gives you the information that, that you're looking for, um, which this was not available, you know, four or five years ago, this was just not in the amount of information was not as easily accessible. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, I, even, even as close as like to maybe even like a year and a half ago, I really feel like, especially like this side of the fitness industry that's focused on, you know, strength sports and especially science-based information. I feel like that has really picked up steam on Instagram in the last year and a half and making that a lot more accessible to people like me who don't really understand actual science jargon, taking that and making it accessible in an infographic or making it accessible in an easy to explain video. I feel like that has really exploded in the last year as well. Yeah. And that's extremely helpful. And I think too, it allows you to do a little bit of like background searching on the person posting it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you got some, you know, somebody's posting some information that seems a little bit questionable. And even if you don't understand it, you click on their profile and you see that, you know, they're a gym owner with no other background other than having the financial capital to set up a building with weights in it (laughs) and they don't lift themselves. They're not, they're not very strong. They don't coach anybody that's very strong. Um, it allows you to kind of take that information as is and be like, well, you know, this might not be the best source where before, if you're just clicking on an article and reading it, it's hard to know. Yeah. Like for sure. It allows you to do a little bit of background on the person, uh, that's actually putting out the content. Yeah. And conversely, I mean, and I think you can probably speak to this, like having other people on your team and in your corner who are utilizing your specific social media profiles or hashtags gives you more credibility in a sense that you are able to build something from the ground up, whether that's a business or a clothing line or anything that's related to fitness or um, strength sports, I think that is also really helpful. Yeah, 100%. And like what I try to like for our team page, um, you know, I try to make sure I'm posting everybody of all different levels. So, you know, the Knicks, Dave's, Danielle's, Kerry's, Alyssa's, Val's, Bev's, like it doesn't matter who it is. I try to post everything so you can see the progression, whether it's in technique, whether it's in numbers, and you can see, you know, intermediate to elite level lifters, novice lifters, you know, that beginning end of that intermediate stage, and hopefully everybody's technique looks good. And so if you're actually going to scroll through the page and you see those things, you see, wow, you know, this team has a lot of strong people. Their technique all looks really good. Like, you know, it, it offers you, it gives you credibility just from the feed like that. Yeah. I'm smiling because I just went to our team page and I was like, Oh, there's a new story. Why? There's always a new story. Every time I go to this damn page, there's a new damn story. Cause you told I, me I have to post stories more often. I know because we'll talk about stories, but I'm watching <laughs> Kina do these pause squats at 245, And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to step up. She's just ripping 315 for easy doubles on the double. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like struggling anyway. Um, okay. So Let's talk about the benefits and disadvantages to instant gratification on social media. I want to get this in your perspective as a coach, because I think that that's a really interesting angle to come at it from personally, because I feel like I see people all the time who post videos of themselves, maybe going off program or doing 
things that they shouldn't be necessarily and posting it to Instagram because it's either really heavy or it looked really good or they had a really good day. Um, and posting that highlight reel to Instagram is a double-edged sword, especially if you have a coach because that person is going to see the post essentially. That's why they follow you. Um, so I want to get your take on how you feel about that. So I think if you post videos on Instagram and you use RPEs, it takes off at least two RPE points on your uh, social media RPE on your lips. Um, so I do think it social media can have a negative impact on a lifter's training if the primary reason for them doing those things is to post on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're like I just said, if you're supposed to be you know, taking squats in an RPE8, but, you know, you're feeling pretty good and you want to hit a five-pound PR because everybody loves posting PRs mm -hmm. on, in, on Instagram. You push it a little bit. It turns out to be a nine, nine and a half. Then all of a sudden you're banged up come meet time and you're not hitting those PRs on the platform. Like it can definitely have a negative impact on your training. Um, nobody ever posts the hard shit about powerlifting. It just seems like it's all fucking PRs and booty shorts and everybody's smiling and having a good time. Wait, that's not uh, what it is. <laughs> in some circles that's what it is, unfortunately. Um, but it can also be frustrating, I think as a lifter and like, I'm an extremely competitive person. So when I see these, you know, these people just taking big weights, big weights, big weights all the time in training, it becomes difficult uh, to keep in mind the bigger picture sometimes because it's like, I want to be pushing those weights, uh, you know. Yep. And I think as a beginner, if you're following some of these people and you respect them because they're strong and you see them acting like that, going off program just to post on Instagram and stuff, it sets a poor example for what training should really look like. Yeah. Um, and I think where you see, you know, and I think there's the other end of the spectrum where people see that all the time. They want to post videos and you get the whole, Oh, someday I'll be stronger. Someday my knees won't cave in. Like <laughs> they start posting all their faults up there because yeah. they're not as strong as the other people that they follow. When the people that they follow that are that strong were them at one point. Mm -hmm. um, but it makes it, it does make it difficult to see uh, from that perspective there. Yeah. I, I sometimes have to stay off my timeline for that exact reason, because I do think it becomes, you know, you see, and obviously not every lifter has Instagram or social media in general. And um, so not every single person who competes alongside you is posting every lift that they make. Um, but a lot of people are. And so to see other people who are maybe, you know, your similar age or your similar weight class or your similar training background hitting, like you said, heavier weights, maybe more volume, maybe basically anywhere you're not. It's like the long hair, short hair conundrum for females. When you don't have long hair, you want long hair. And when you see someone else with short hair, you're like, oh, maybe I should cut my hair because that looks really cute on you. But it might not look cute on you, just like taking someone else's volume or someone else's weights might not work for you. So, but I, it does become a bit taxing mentally to have to scroll through that or go to people's pages that you like watching their content. And then you're like, fuck, you're so much stronger than me. Or fuck, you took, you know, 70% for 12s. What? 12s? So then it just like is a total cycle in a sense. 
And I do handle a lot of questions from people when it's like, well, I see this person doing this. Why don't we do that? Mm-hmm. And I'm all for the questions and, and all of that stuff. But it does sometimes put like, you know, programs are going to differ. You know, methods are many, principles are few. And as long as they abide by the same principles, you can do things differently and be successful in doing those things. Um, but, you know, with a very limited understanding of how strength occurs in the gym and you see other people doing different things, it starts raising those questions of doubt. So then that's probably where a lot of the program jumping happens where it's like, I was doing this for a period of time, but then I saw this person do this. So I'm going to jump over and I'm going to start running, running this program. Well, this person ran Smolov junior for this and they got really strong. So I'm going to go do that. And they never stick with something long enough to actually see the long-term progress um, that would have been there if they have just found a good coach in the beginning, yeah. stuck with them and, you know, built a relationship with them and carried that on yeah. uh, into their, we'll call it a career. And I think some people, some newer lifters may be at a disadvantage solely because they might, you know, let's say they're into fitness and they are looking through fitness Instagram and they stumble along the girls who powerlift hashtag and they're like, Oh, that looks fucking sick. I want to do that. So then they maybe start incorporating the big three into their own training sessions and then are utilizing social media as more of coaching rather than, you know, actually seeking out a coach or even just online resources. Um, I feel sometimes social media has kind of taken the place of looking up different baseline programming like Chico or Wendler 531 or different things like that. So I do think sometimes newer lifters might be at a disadvantage because of the rise of social media, just in the sense that, you know, they're getting all of their information from a bunch of fucking idiots, basically. Well, I think that inverse you applies to almost everything, right? Too much yeah. or too little turns out to be a problem. Yeah. And they're entering at a time where there's too much information. So to filter it all out becomes extremely difficult. And I think being a female on the internet is a little more difficult okay. as I have never had <laughs> a dude with no shirt on in his bio picture. Tell me I'm going to hurt my back from arching on a bench press. Mm. Um, or in so, real life. Or in real life, I don't think that's ever ha- that'd be weird. Which also happens to me. <laughs> so. Yeah. So when so many people are giving them advice, unsolicited advice, it becomes like, oh, will I hurt my back? Is this you know really bad for me? I don't because you don't know, and you're just being inundated with information that can be, become difficult. Which is why get a good coach to filter through the bullshit for you. That's a great segue into our next bulleted topic, which is coaching in quotation marks on social media, um, which I know most of us experience either from trolls hiding behind fake profiles or just people who generally don't have a sense of the sport of powerlifting, maybe not necessarily the powerlifting movements, because obviously those are, have been popularized, but the sport of powerlifting, I think, does take a little bit of a different technique approach to the big three than other bodybuilders or weightlifters or just general fitness human beings. Um, so maybe you could speak to what you think about different like people who try to coach other people on social media or comment like, you know, form critiques or I don't know. The thing with who was it with the, the deadlift to chest? Was that Bev? Bev, yeah. (laughs) 
Somebody <laughs> tried to tell Bev that she was doing her deadlift wrong and that her she, feet were too wide because she was pulling sumo. Oh yeah. She was pulling sumo, so her feet were too wide. And he was like, You should really be pulling your deadlift up to your chest. And we were just <laughs> so confused because I don't know. Maybe that's just not the type of person I am, but <laughs> if somebody else is doing something that I don't think is right or not even right. Like it has no bearing on my well-being, whether or not somebody is doing a pause squat or squatting with their feet close together or doing something that is out of the ordinary or atypical from what I usually do. I would never comment on someone's post and tell them that they're doing it wrong. Especially if like you see very blatantly in their posts or in their profile that they already pay someone to tell them what to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, from my perspective, I, my job, I am a powerlifting coach. I make a living off of coaching powerlifters. I don't get paid to comment on somebody's Instagram videos, so I'm not going to do it. And even like for the paid lifters that I have, if they post something on Instagram and I see something, I don't comment on their comments section. Like I prefer to have a conversation somehow about what they were doing as opposed to just putting a comment. Um, I don't really understand why people would do that in the first place. Like it doesn't, I, I don't know if I'm just, my personality type is just very different, but it makes zero sense to me why somebody would comment technique corrections on somebody's on somebody's post I, I don't know <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know why somebody would ask for help like that either on their posts like yeah, i see that a lot too yeah and like you know if you want help on your lifts there are plenty of qualified coaches out there that can help you um you just you have to do a little bit of work to make sure you're getting credible ones And I think, you know, if you really want help, that's up to you. And like for me personally, I I don't really ever give unsolicited advice to people that don't pay me for it. Number one, like they can find me, they can ask me questions. Um, I'm always willing to help if somebody has a question, but I'm never going to go seeking it out. Yeah. I would say that a lot of coaches are like that too, who, I mean, obviously if you DM someone every day with a video of your list and say, Hey, can you take a look at this? Like people are going to be like, you're not paying me. Of course I'm not going to do this. But if you really have a question and you ask someone who you know has a lot of knowledge and probably who doesn't have a million followers, they're probably going to respond to you and give you an answer or tell you where to find an answer online somewhere. I, I, I don't know if it's just me or I, but I totally agree with you, Kevin. I don't, I don't understand people's reasoning behind posting every lift saying like, Hey, can you take a look at my arm placement? Or like, Hey, can you take a look at my heel placement on the squat? Like it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. No. And like, you know, you could have five qualified coaches in a forum and we may all teach the lift just a hair differently than somebody else. And it could get even extremely confusing in that sense. Um, you know, chances are the majority of the lifts are going to look very, very similar. Um, but now you take the whole internet on there and everybody, you know, like if somebody read starting strength, Mark Ripito's book, mm-hmm. I teach the lifts very different than I can Mark Ripito teaches the lifts. So, you know, if 
<laughs> you you read that book, you're now a fucking expert and you're going to tell everybody how they, how they should lift because you know, your, your background in is reading, reading a book by a guy with a 1600 pound total. Um, that's great. But you know, there are different ways that all of these things can be done. Mm-hmm. And you know, when there are no rules because nobody really understands what they're doing and you get a bunch of people in there it can be extremely confusing. Yeah. And I also would tell p- listeners who maybe are like, Oh, maybe I've commented something on someone's video before, like as a friend, I would also just encourage people to think about first, most people are utilizing powerlifting Instagram as a training log, like both of us do. So they're utilizing it to post specifically what they did that day. They're not really at most of the time, they're not really asking for feedback. So if you posted your training log for the day and someone else commented on your post and said, Hey, I think that you should stop pitching forward on the deadlift. Like it may be true, but it's still going to hurt your feelings probably. And it's probably going to make you annoyed for like at least 25 minutes because somebody gave you advice that you didn't ask for and you didn't pay for. And you've probably already heard it five times. Um, so just thinking about how we can all be better active participants on the internet. Um, I personally love seeing positive comments on other people's posts. I think that's like a really nice sense of encouragement. And honestly, I think that's why probably 98% of people post on social media is for like 1% instant gratification because we're human beings who enjoy instant gratification. And in 2018, we still have not found a way to deliver that to ourselves without the help of others. So, and I think, you know, maybe we should talk a little bit about, you know, I know we kind of mentioned it a little bit, but you know, I was kind of half joking about the starting strength book, (laughs) but you know, what a good coach's resume should look like. So somebody you should be taking advice with. Um, And now I'm just kind of winging it because I haven't put like a ton of thought into this but like you know what i try to present to the rest of the world when i am writing my material or posting or doing any of that stuff Mm -hmm. like you know stuff that would give me credibility i think you know uh, education i do think is important even though a lot of um it seems like more like older school lifters are like you know degrees don't matter and stuff they absolutely do um, I agree. You know, I have a graduate degree in kinesiology. Um, without that degree, I don't think I would be able to have such a well-rounded understanding of the stuff that I'm interpreting on social media or with my own programs or any of that stuff. It gave me the tools to understand the information and to be able to sift through it well. Yeah. Um, so <sighs> there, I do think their strength numbers matter, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not the end all be all. If somebody's strong, it doesn't mean they're a good coach. If somebody's not strong, it doesn't mean that they're not a good coach. Um, you know, who they were coached by, I think matters in that sense as well. So like Boris Shiko is my coach. Um, everything I've learned in powerlifting has come from my time working with him as a coach. Um, if somebody is really strong, They've done something right to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's something that I would, it, it can kind of go either way, but it, I think it does matter. 
Yeah. Um, I would also I would also say that as uh, someone who's a one hundred percent consumer and has no like real business side in fitness social media, I will say that having a coach who regardless of circumstance and regardless of training program, someone who gets under the bar should be an important factor in someone you're taking advice from, regardless of if you're paying them or not. Yeah, 100%. Because um, there was a lot you learn from going through the process yourself. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a raw lifter, multiply is not the same sport. Um, so if you're reaching out to multiply people and you have these technical issues in your raw squat, it's vastly different and it might not be the best person to reach out to, which is where like a bigger total might not matter as much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're looking at like, for me, if I'm looking to see, you know, say a coach writes an article or something, I'm trying to, you know, obviously the information makes sense. I want to see, you know, what they do. The technique of their lifters matters a lot to me. So mm-hmm. if they have a bunch of lifters that just look like complete garbage to me, they're not that good of a coach. Like they're just, they might understand, you know, volumes and intensities and all of that stuff, but their ability to actually apply their knowledge just looks off to me. Um, Do they have strong lifters? I do think that matters. Um, You know, if you've been coaching for 10 years and you don't have any strong lifters, uh, you know, that's, I think says something about your quality of work, either people who are coming on as beginners or intermediates or whatever, when they start with you and they're not progressing to that next level over a period of time, um, you're probably not a very good coach. What about their attitude? Oh, 100%. Like there are some people, um, that I am not going to work well with personality wise. Um, I think, you know, a coach should be open-minded You should be able to have a discussion without them taking things personally. And for some reason in this field, I think more than many others, if you try to say that you do something differently than somebody else, like it becomes a personal attack and they just get mad. And, and, you know, I do think it attracts a unique personality base. Um, A coach needs to act appropriately as well. Like you can't be making inappropriate comments to females constantly. You can't be posting inappropriate things on Instagram, um, ever. That should not be the case. Like me, when I post your guys' videos, I try to make sure I'm not putting everybody's fucking ass up on Instagram. And, you know, because I I don't want, yeah, you know, I don't want people to, the first thing that they see is a pair of fucking booty shorts and an ass hanging out. Like I want them to see the quality of the squat, the weight on the bar, like, stuff like that. And I think that stuff put together can help you kind of find a good coach. Like when I first started, I had no fucking idea what I was doing for the sport of powerlifting. So I had a graduate degree. I had a basic understanding. I've been training high school athletes for the most part for the majority of my career. And I just stopped doing the MMA stuff. And I was like, I want to compete in something. I started working at a gym that was powerlifting focused. So I was like, let me do a powerlifting meet. And then, you know, I realized I didn't really understand how, how meets ran, how the training should be. Like I knew what training would look like for field athletes, but now that the actual training was the sport, I knew it had to be a little bit different. And I reached out to somebody at the time and they gave me this eight week program and I'm looking at it and it's using a lot of safety squat bar. There's box squats everywhere. And it's like, I hadn't put a bar on my back in 
probably almost 10 years just because my joints would get so beat up. You know, I've done some front squats here and there type of thing. There's a lot of like single leg stuff. And in my head, I was like, this doesn't seem right. But I was like, you know what? I don't know anything about the sport. I'm just, (laughs) you know, maybe there's something I'm not thinking of. And there's, you know, that I don't understand about, this process. So even though I had a background in stuff, I got duped into thinking that this could be a program that, that worked and it didn't. My, my squat got worse, even though I hadn't done it for a period of time. Um, and then I, you know, I realized I needed to get a better coach and a, you know, somebody who actually like does this, uh, for a living. So that's when I reached out to Boris Chico and he's been coaching me ever since, but you know, there's a lot of times, and I think this is the case, you know, you see somebody with a big total, oh, he's going to be a great coach. You know, what works for them doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. You know, somebody who owns a gym, just because they own a gym and they say these things doesn't mean they've ever done anything. Yeah. Like I at always, least now the tools to do the research and find somebody good, I think, are it's right at your fingertips. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I think that is true about almost any sport. The greatest athletes are not always the greatest coaches. It's a different skill set pretty much entirely other than the, the overlap of the fact that the coach and the athlete probably at some point in their lives played the sport. Right. Um, but other than that, it's a totally different skill set. It requires a lot of different things. It requires a lot. I mean, LeBron doesn't coach people. He plays basketball and at some point in his life, maybe he will, but like, that's not what he get, gets paid to do. So a professional athlete, I don't know. I just, I never understand the correlation between, I, I, I get it. People are strong or they're good at sports. So in, instinctively you think that, oh, they're the best choice because they have like the biggest total or they have the most championship rings, but it is a different type, like, I don't know it's a different type of mentality when becoming a coach versus being an athlete. I feel like I see on Instagram all the time. Now this could be another topic to do with social media because we've obviously gotten sidetracked. Um, but so many powerlifters who've maybe only been lifting like three months are like, Oh, now I'm a coach. Come sign up with me for my eight week program. Pay me, $30 or $50 or whatever, um, who have no like real background, who have no education in the sport. You're like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a powerlifting coach now. or Oh, I'm a, I'm a bodybuilding coach now because of the, yeah, yeah 100%. And like, for me, I didn't even advertise that I was coaching anybody for almost two years. Yeah. Like, you know, I wanted to make sure I, I build a solid foundation. I understood everything that, I, you know, at this point, I know what I know. I know what I don't know. And I, I know what I don't care to know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you just throw it in your Instagram bio. and now you're <laughs> expert. Yeah. Now you're an expert on everything. All right. So last thing, and we kind of already talked about this a little bit, but how has, for either of us, but I'll ask you the question, how has social media allowed you to meet other people in your geographic location who are interested in the same things as you are? Um, it's a good question because I should probably ask if people reach out to me, um, like what caught their attention and stuff. But, um, I do think like the location services I do, like when you tag places, I think people look (laughs) for, 
um, like nearby similar interest type stuff. But I, I mean, Kina, if it wasn't for social media, I, I would have never started coaching Kina. And so I've how did she find her. you? Uh, she was running the Chico templates that are available on the internet. Okay. And she wasn't sure how to go about the test. Oh, oh so, I think I remember this. So there, you know, aren't too many people who, you know, cause you can't get his stuff in English. And so, you know, posting that I've been coached by him for so long and stuff like people will reach out with certain questions about his program and she had reached out about how to do the test. So like I gave her some tips on how to do the test. And then after that test, I started coaching her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if it wasn't for seeing that, I never would have even, uh, you know, with her finding me, I wouldn't be coaching her now. Um, and we've been, I think it's about a year, almost a year. Awesome. Um, you know, it's allowed me to kind of grow a brand too. So, you know, when I was working at a different facility, you know, when you're under somebody else's roof, you're kind of constrained to those, that logo on that, on that Mm -hmm. building. But even at the time I was able to show that I was, I do do stuff a little bit differently and I was able to give myself a brand within a brand, if that makes sense. So it allowed me to kind of get out there you know, I'm, I don't necessarily do things the same, you know, there might be some things that are the same, yeah. but here's my own brand. Here's how I do things. So it allowed me to get out that. And without that, I don't think I ever would have been able to start uh, the precision powerlifting thing on its own. And same. You know, I think people are starting to recognize it a little bit just because, you know, we're starting to get bigger. We have more lifters now and yeah. people using the, the hashtags and tagging, tagging the team and stuff you know it's just it's allowed a brand to form even and i think it's both a location-based brand and an online brand right so yes because we are definitely like more boston based than a lot of other like powerlifting teams because they're I feel like there used to be like a rise when I was really into like fitness Twitter, there was a rise in bodybuilding teams. So there was like a lot of people who were like on team, I don't know, like team all max or team whatever. And all of those people were all over the world, but a lot of those bodybuilding teams were location based just because of the nature of bodybuilding. Like you want to see the person in person to like inspect their physique. That sounds so strange, but that's what it is. Um, but with us, I feel like there's not a whole lot of location-based teams. I don't know. Yeah, no. And even then, like, I, I think we're rare in a way, too, because you don't – you have a lot of people who they train at the same gym, but they're not, you know, and they, they might say they're, they're a team, but they have different coaches, mm-hmm. do different, different – completely different programs, compete in different federations. Um, you might have – uh, groups that have the same coach, but they train in different locations and it's primarily online and stuff. I don't know how many like team, like how we, we train together every week, we compete together, we travel to meets together. Yeah. I don't know how many like team structured powerlifting things are out there. Yeah. Like, you know, like let's just take a big one. Like the strength athlete has a lot of lifters. Yeah. Um, they have great content. So you know, that's somebody to follow. Um, 
but they all train at, you know, they have different coaches that train different athletes that train at different places. And they might say, um, team TSA or whatever, mm-hmm. but they don't train together all the time. And that's kind of right now, that's what we do, you know? Yeah. So I think it's, it's a very unique type of scenario with that. Yeah. I agree. And I would also say that that allows us to like go places and have people be like, Oh, like you're, you train with like, that just happened to me last week. Mike and I went to MetFit, which is out in just outside of Framingham. Um, it's another like strength gym in the Boston area. And we went there and they were like, first of all, we ran into one of our own teammates. Then we ran into like three other people who are on social media, who are around our age, who are like, oh, like I follow you on Instagram. Like you post great stuff. Like you're trained by Kevin can like, aren't you blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, like I'm so bad at associating people's internet personas with their real life people that I like see someone and I'm like, I think I know you from somewhere, but I can't remember if it's from real life or it's from the (laughs) internet, which is super bad of me. Um, and then we ran into someone who has been following you for a long time. Who's was like, Oh, aren't you one of Kevin's athletes? Like I follow his content. He has great stuff. Um, so I think like geographically, um, we're in a good place, but I also will definitely attest to the fact that I have met so many people through the internet, which is like kind of scary in a way, but I think it's just becoming the new norm. If we're being honest, Um, especially like obviously with the rise of online dating and different things like that, people are just becoming more accustomed to saying like, oh yeah, like we followed each other on Instagram and then we met in real life. And then obviously we hit it off. I think there's a larger chance of you being able to like find similarly minded people. I think people who associate well with team precision and what we're trying to deliver in terms of like both team-based and just training, I think there's a better shot of getting people who are more on board with your style of training. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that, you know, all personality types are going to go towards a certain type of coach and a certain type of programming. Like I said before, there are many different programs that are equally effective. Um, We do things a little bit differently than some of them might do. And I think it takes a certain personality type to, you know, want to do things our way. Like I think we're a little more neurotic uh, with the way that we do things than maybe some other people. A little. (laughs) You know, there might be other coaches who have um, very similar. So like Mike Teixeira, who is literally, Mm -hmm. I think he puts out my favorite content out there, but he lifts heavy a lot with a lot of his lifters. Like they take heavy singles frequently in training, which is something very different. Uh, than what we do. And I think a certain personality type is going to want to do that, Um, that they're going to lean towards, I want to do this program because I'll uh, get to take heavy singles. And I think we all have personal bias. Um, So you're going to believe one thing's going to work better than the other based off of your past experiences or or whatever that may be. So, um, you know, I think you'll find something. And I think your belief in a program is extremely important to its success. So, you know, with, we run Chico-based methods here, so we do a lot of sub-maximal training. So if you don't think sub-maximal training is going to work, it's probably not the best program for you. And an RTS program um, would be better. You know, Some people don't like using percentages. Some people don't like using RPEs. Like there's a number of, you know, whether it's personal bias, whether it's you know, preference or personality type, it, it allows you to kind of do that research beforehand and narrow down your choices. 
Yeah, I agree. All right, I think that's all we have. I have a, I, I didn't tell you about this, but I have a proposition in addition oh, to the podcast. I think that we should do either like your favorite piece of content from Instagram or the funniest thing you saw on the internet this week, but it can only be within powerlifting. I only say this because I have one that I really need to discuss. I think it relates to today's topic. <laughs> so, um, sorry, I'm getting to my piece of content. So Johnny Candido obviously is a, has a post, a lot of content, has YouTube, has free programs, different things like that. But he tends to repost a lot of lifters, especially lifters that are wearing his shirts. So was it two days? No, yesterday he reposted a video from Sean Noriega, who is a Boston based lifter. And he reposted a video of Sean hitting 455 on the bench press. Now, if you don't know who Sean is, he has an insane arch, like better than most female arches <laughs> and can bench press a fucking shit ton of weight for an 83 kilo man. The comments on this post are the funniest things that I have ever seen in my whole life. So if you don't follow Johnny Candido, it's at Candido Training HQ. I'll put it in, I'll put the link to the exact post in the show notes. But um, basically the, the funniest thing on this post was this man who commented saying like, let me sound like a hater. This would not be recognized in competition. And then was talking about his physical therapist's husband who bench pressed 725 at 200 with gloves. <laughs> And just, you have to go through all the comments. It's hysterical. It has no relevance really to anything and will not help you bench press more weight other than like maybe watching Sean might help you realize that the arch might be somewhat important in powerlifting. But other than that, it just was a really funny piece of content <laughs> that I needed to share and get off my chest. Um, you know, I think that like there's sites out there. So like quarter squat gang, which all of them. <laughs> It's kind of funny. However, you know, there is a point where you're just, you're making fun of people that are squatting high and I get it on the comments. They're cocky and like, mm-hmm. you know, we should be helping people a little bit, a little bit more than that. So there are times where that type of stuff uh, I find to be frustrating. And I don't know if I have a single piece of Instagram content that I think is best, but I think you know, I think I named two of them, the strength athlete, follow those guys and the people that they train. Cause I think they, they coach so many people that you get like a nice, you know, you get to see everything that they're doing with, with their lifters. And I think that's really cool. Uh, Mike Teixeira, I think follow him because unlike other coaches, he uses a lot more variation. Like he uses more variation than we use for sure. Um, but he's got some great ideas with the variation, how he institutes them in his training. So it's a little bit different than you might get from, you know, the coaches that are very specific, um, to the sport, but those, those are two of my favorite, um, places to go for content on the IG. I like it. All right. Sign us off. All right. So make sure you follow us on Instagram. Uh, my personal Instagram is KWCan. Not Quan. Not Quan. <laughs> <laughs> K-W-C-A-N-N. Uh, make sure you follow our team at Precision Powerlifting Systems. Um, you can follow Alyssa on Instagram. It's at Alyssa Lifts Things. There's an S at the end, right? 
Yep. Um, I lift more than one thing. Am I, am I forgetting any of our social media? No, I think that, that pretty much covers that it. That covers it all, right? Yeah. All right. Stay strong, Boston. Boston.